It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome, Jane. Thanks, Jane. It's a pleasure. Lovely to see you. Yes. Two days in a row. I know, it must be. And you've only got another two more to do after this, so um, we're crossing them off. Wiggle. I feel like yesterday we manifested the um, spirits of antisocial behaviour when we were talking about people behaving badly post-Covid. Mm-hmm. Because not an hour later, I got my train back to Brighton and a youth sat opposite me vaping yeah. and shouting into his phone. And not for the first time, I asked him to stop vaping. Did you? Okay. But for the first time, he pushed back. Very oh, hard. Oh, I'm sorry. So was, it, was there so, an incident? Uh, there wasn't an incident because me and the other middle-aged people just sort of laughed at him. But he did carry on vaping and shouting to his phone all the way to Brighton. Oh, God. Yeah. I think yeah. I would find that absolutely... It was exhausting. Yeah. And also he was having a quite an intimate chat with his oh. girlfriend loudly on the phone, um, which was, as you were saying, quite amusing. I mean... Well, as long as it was entertaining. It was entertaining, but the pushback on the vaping was pretty extraordinary. And without being too pompous, you're not allowed to vape on a train. No, 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 you're not. No, No. and this was, he seemed to think that we were being unreasonable um, in our middle-aged request that he stop. And he said, why should I stop? And we said, because you're not allowed to do it on a train. And then he seemed surprised that I said he shouldn't shout on his phone in a public place either. Gosh, you really went for it, didn't you? I did. Okay, well, can I just say well done? Thanks. Um, It got me absolutely nowhere. Nowhere, no, but welcome to Harpies Anonymous. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, Because we achieve nothing, but we enjoy failing. I became 78 more like my mum. Yeah, well... There's a, there's a lot to be said for that, I'm sure. Uh, thank you to everyone who's emailed. Um, Jane's got some fan mail, and I'm sure... Do you want to bring it to everybody yeah, right at the start? Yeah, absolutely. Let's dig in. Jane's got an admirer. <laughs> I love the way he refers to you as Fees Locum. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, well, he also does... He opens with talking about Billy Connolly doing a sketch lamenting the dour dirge of our national anthem oh, yeah, yeah. and suggesting that a better tune would be Barwick Green. Um, apparently you will know this as yes, the tune of the Archers, which the Archers. I didn't know that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and also our l- lovely listener says, so too is the wonderful Italian anthem when sung before the Six Nations. Anyway, back to me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Andrew does say, one final ramble in, pl- in praise of Fees Locum, the other Jane. Her robust sense of humour and delivery harks back to the days when journalists did inhabit Fleet Street in a haze of cigarette smoke and liquid sandwiches at El Vino's. However, I do appreciate that she is far too young to have been around then. Um, 
Andrew, thank you for that. I did sort of catch the fag end of it. Did you? The yeah. fag end. The fag end, literally. Term, yeah. um, when I joined the Sunday Times at the 20 nothing years old, um, I have to say I'm quite glad that I didn't live through those glory days because I'd be in the Priory by about the age of 25, I think. Well, um, Elvino's, I mean, I've never been it, but it, it, it was a wine bar on Fleet Street. Yeah. 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 And, and People used to just file from Elvino's. What do you mean? So people wouldn't, people would go to the pub and just file their copy from the so pub. So they'd just, they'd just ring stay there up. all day. Yeah. Because in those you'd, days... Yeah, you'd ring copy takers. So I did, I did used to ring copy takers quite a lot from the road. And a copy taker is someone who'd sit in front of a typewriter. Yeah. And just take just down. take take down what you were dictating to them. Would they not? Were they not able to correct what you? No, no. You would have to make your own errors. <laughs> yeah, because this is. I, we I, used to have subs though back in those days. Yeah, who would then? So <laughs> sub editors would then read. Obviously, they've fallen by the wayside in most places. And, uh, just too. just explain because I'm not everybody understands this. I'm not really sure I do. Sub editors rewrite or correct. Correct. What do they do? Yeah, generally correct. Some. I mean, in news, they might do a bit of rewriting. Um, they would check the facts correct the spelling, the grammar. But that obviously was much more important back in the day when you'd be out on a job. You wouldn't have a mobile phone um, or a laptop to file with. So you'd maybe you'd be in court and you'd have to ring your story through, dictate it to copy takers who would type it out mm. and then send it off somehow by magic to yeah. the presses. Um, so, yeah, it, it was something I used to have to do. Gosh, when I started Sunday Times and I'd do jobs abroad or around the country i i didn't have a laptop and wi-fi no. so you would ring copy takers with your copy um who would then type it up and send it off to the news editor so oh, that's like another world it was another world yeah it and was do, you, do you think the nature of writing has changed since we all were only not on manual typewriters but were able to change as we went along i think definitely it's, so. it's definitely it must have changed the way we think as well yeah yeah because you can correct all the way along so i think yeah, you you probably did a lot more thinking beforehand. Before you wrote it. Before you wrote it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly, I used to write out my notes, sort of a mixture of my terrible shorthand and longhand, and I would crap. I would write the story sort of as I would want to dictate it. But I think other people used to do it off the top of their heads. People really? who were better news reporters than me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now that you can self-edit, I think we're probably. I don't know, we probably fiddle around a bit more. It certainly slows people down, I think. You used to just have to bash it out from I the pub. Yeah, I imagine that there have been PhDs written about this, about mm. the nature of writing changing. Because if anybody of, knows about yeah, it, Yeah, I would, love, I'd be I would love to know. I mean, always, the great thing about this podcast is there are always people listening who know so much stuff. So let us know. By the way, almost everyone in the world was at Kew Gardens <laughs> on Sunday. And I've even had images of the actual fox that I saw at Kew. <laughs> I'm convinced it is this one. Uh, this is from Chris. I really enjoyed your podcast today. That's another compliment to you, Jane, isn't it? Uh, and couldn't believe it when you mentioned the fox in Kew. I was there two Sundays ago and also met a lovely fox, albeit this one seemed to be without their lovely trademark bushy tail. Oh, yeah, this fox doesn't really have a tail. I wondered oh. if the park keepers, that is, maybe took the fox in, having rescued it. In any case, it was a very friendly fox, welcomed my curious photography and posed multiple times in between spraying every bush. Here's a snap, says Chris. They're allowed to spray the bushes. At, I suppose they probably are. It does look as though that fox He's had his tail locked yeah, off has been damaged and has, yeah, and has been taken in by the good people at Kew Gardens. But yeah. thank you for that. Elaine was also there. Um, and Oh, no, she, she goes often, she said. She regular, her daughter's a member. She regularly visits the gardens at least once a month, sometimes more. I've seen foxes on numerous occasions. 
usually near the pagoda. Which is they're not particularly shy, but they do slink away if people approach them. And they do look very healthy with nice shiny coats, as we were saying. Yeah. The West London yeah. expensive foxes. Well, we just take care of ourselves yeah. in West London. I would also just, on the fox note, if it's okay, I'd just like to respond to oh, yes. a question about why I couldn't bag up my dead fox myself. So I mentioned on yesterday's podcast that a fox died in my garden um, about two years ago. And my colleague on The Times, who sits next to me and heard me wanging on about it for a whole morning, Tony Turnbull, came round to my house on his bike after work and bagged it up for me. In my defence, so... What does our correspondent say? Our correspondent says, why couldn't Jane M sort out the dead fox herself, i.e. dig it up, put it in a bag ready for binning, instead of relying on male colleagues to do the deed? Can I just say, I would have happily relied on anyone willing to help me with that. I wouldn't have done it myself. So, I'd been home for a week with incredibly bad covid um, this was you don't this, have to apologize. no this was the, the weekend that I thought oh well the reason I saw the dead fox I looked out my window and thought oh I might just sit in the garden oh there's a huge dead fox in my garden um, I was I was quite pathetic with yeah. Covid and also it was huge Mm. and I wasn't feeling very well so it was my first day back at work and Tony very kindly offered and when he came round yes. he said it is massive yeah. also it was stiff oh, right. and maggoty thank you for that um too. and i couldn't smell it because i had covid but tony but tony, tony said yeah it, we put it in nine bin bags so that's how like maggoty and disgusting the dead fox was so um you know i'm i'm very independent very liberated modern woman mm. but to be honest it could have been a woman who offered to help me bag up the dead fox. Yes. Anyone well, it could helping have me. wouldn't have been this woman. I'm telling you that now. Um, well, Funnily enough, no woman offered. Tony has more than grown in my estimation. And uh, who is that criticism from? Do you want me to name them? Well, what's their first name? <laughs> there is a first name. Caroline. Caroline. Oh, I think you're being a bit hard on Jane there, Caroline. Or more than a bit hard, because trust me, I would have called in help from Le Turnbull or anybody else willing to help me out. Um, you mentioned antisocial. Oh, but I should say, great guest. Talking talking of Kew Gardens. Uh, the guest on today's podcast is Caroline Quentin, and she's so interesting and lovely. And she has written a book called Drawn to the Garden, but she talks about all sorts of other stuff in the conversation that I did on the Times Radio show this afternoon, and you can hear it on this podcast today. Um, she did seem to be a thoroughly good sort. Um, so there's plenty about gardening in that conversation. Um, but this is about antisocial behaviour, and I'm, I'm, I am. This is from a listener, Leslie. I wonder what your take is on how to deal with young men who sit on public transport or walk along the street with their hands down their trousers. <laughs> I, mean, I did enjoy this question. I see this now and again in London, and my first reaction is always anxiety. I'm in my 60s, and it might not be a threat to me, but my immediate feeling is to take me back to being frightened and threatened whenever I see a man groping their genitals in public. You see, I think I'm with Leslie here, and I think she's quite right to be more than affronted by this, to be honest. Uh, whenever I say anything to my husband, he says that it's no different from seeing women adjusting their bra straps. Completely different. Totally different. Um, that is distasteful and uncomfortable to witness when they're talking to you in a work meeting, but essentially harmless. But I don't feel these things are the same at all. Both might be disrespectful and a bit grubby, but I don't feel that a woman fiddling with her underwear would threaten and intimidate a man in the same way as a man openly touching his genitals is for a woman to see. Um, Leslie, thank you. She says she appreciates the way this podcast mingles the utterly trivial with the very serious and what is sort of what we try to do, although it's not written down anywhere. Uh, but you're right, Leslie, that's what we're trying to do. So, uh, why, why do... 
men do that I don't know. in public. I'm not a man, but I really feel for Leslie. And I'm also a bit angry with the men who choose not to see why this is threatening. Yeah. If you really, really don't understand that, then you need to just have a think. Yeah. I have to say, when I do see it, I don't personally find it particularly threatening. I think it's a bit I pathetic. Just, I, yeah, I find it pathetic. And I just think, have you got absolutely no self-control? Is what I think. Yeah. Is I it... just think, hmm, or, or no social awareness. It's back to social awareness, it's I think. It's back to understanding that you're in the world, but so are other people. Yeah. And you don't actually own it. No. Uh, but no. let's we've thrown that one open there. If anybody's got a way of dealing, and of course you're unlike, let's face it, I mean, I've been in exactly that situation. You don't say anything. Mm. The way I'm going, I might, actually. Okay, you I'm might. Start, I'm going to start calling them out. Stop it. Go for it. Hand out your pants. I'll just stand behind you and go, <laughs> go on, Jane. <laughs> there, was, there was a fair other amount of other people doing that on the train last night, actually. Well, well they were sort of looking and tutting and then I jumped yeah, but in. the thing is, they're just they back me up. cowardy custards, aren't they? Mm. They want to agree with They want to be you, but they lack the cojones. Yeah. I never know how to say that. Just frustration. Yeah. Um. This is also an interesting point. Um, again, it's sort of on the behavioural rules. Um, dear Jane and Jane, I was surprised to hear you mention Travis Kelsey on yesterday's podcast. I take it neither of you watched the Super Bowl. Nope. nope. What with the time difference and the good sense you had to spend your Sundays otherwise, Diggerland and Kew Gardens seem much more wholesome choices. <laughs> but I'm curious if either of you saw the clip of Kelsey's shocking behaviour towards his 65-year-old coach, Andy Reid. I didn't see the clip, but I did see the I'm picture. Aware of it, yeah. yeah. Our listener says, as an elementary school teacher and a mother, my jaw dropped as the scene played out and I thought of all the young kids and teens, my own included, watching and witnessing Mr Kelsey's uncontrollable rage towards Mr Reed. I was equally shocked that Kelsey was back in the game soon after his ugly outburst and further that more was not made of it in the media and that Andy Reid explained Kelsey's behaviour away, saying, he keeps me young. He tested that hip out. He caught me off balance. Normally I'd give him a little bit, but I didn't have any feet under me. What, says our listener, why is this acceptable behaviour in this day and age? And why is Taylor Swift associated with this brute of a man? Uh, with a display like this on national television, what chance do we have of teaching our children good sportsmanship and respect for one's coach for the sport they play? Not to mention that fans of Taylor may feel some concern for her safety after witnessing Kelsey's volatile behaviour. I know my daughter and her friend who were watching voiced it, she says. Really? Okay. I think that's really interesting. I do, I do too. I, um, I mean, people behave aggressively in sport. I mean, that's part of some Certainly games. Certainly in that sport. Certainly in that sport. But that is, that is a very interesting point that uh, nobody really did pick up on that. Certainly not in the British press, I, no, don't, I they, don't think. they didn't. I also read Andy Reid's explanation, mm. justification for his star player's behaviour, and I thought that was a bit odd as well. Uh, what do we know about the roughy-tufty world of the NFL? Nothing. Well, well no, I know there's um, a lot of head injuries involved. Yeah, no. I mean, basically, you, you're just running fast at someone else and trying to give them a head injury. It's just, something that's always put me off it slightly but well, um, yeah i think the current media narrative is travis kelsey good thing because of the association yeah. with taylor swift um i think it's really interesting that our listener's daughter and her friend I, I actually voiced too. it that they picked up on that while watching it and mm. they certainly wouldn't have been the only ones if that's how young women are no interpreting well it. i think um unfortunately for them they're very much alert to that mm. sort of thing aren't they do i think uh taylor and kelsey will go on to be married for Decades? No. <laughs> I think 
No, I think you're not alone in that. We shall get another couple of albums out of it, hopefully. If the woman is a genius. I, I, do, I, I don't say that lightly. I really do think she is. I was booking my accommodation today for my Stockholm trip to see Taylor. Oh, yes, you got an yeah. early, didn't you? I yeah. did, yeah. yeah. I'm still hope My daughter's got tickets for Liverpool, and you'd think that she'd want to take her mother with her, but so far... Are you put your name in the ballot for that ticket, well, have you? I mean, I, you know, I just said quite loaded things like, I gave birth to you. <laughs> if it hadn't been for me... You wouldn't be there! I mean, another obviously unnecessary and passive-aggressive, over-emotional things. Um, it's not just anyone who listens to Off Air, it's celebrity people. When I oh, was yeah. When I was born in 1978, says our correspondent, at Salisbury Hospital, I weighed £10, 11 ounces. Whether such a weight was record-breaking or not was not recorded, but I was at the time... The longest baby ever born at Salisbury Hospital. I had been due on Christmas Day, but arrived ten days late. My mother always said I was made of mince pies because she tucked in with abandon during those frustrating overdue days. I was her second baby, and I should say she did go on to have a third. But do you know how long she was? How long? 23 inches, which is yeah. nearly two foot. Oof. I mean, that, that's so long for a baby. Inclusive. That is absolutely enormous. Are you still tall? Yes, yeah, I'm interested in that. And, yeah. and Can you let us know? Are parents tall? We do need to know more. Mm. She doesn't want her name All mentioned. the measurements, please. Fair enough. But, I mean, it's, it's a good day when you get a, an email from someone who was, perhaps even for a short time, the longest baby ever born <laughs> at Salisbury Hospital. Congratulations. They probably, I mean, that record has probably been smashed now by all these tall youths. Tall posh youths. Tall posh youths. Yeah, tall <laughs> conservative posh youths. Yes, it's quite possible. Cluttering things up. Yeah. Um, so this is about our library books conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, and the possible previous readers and comments found in them. Um, so our listener who wants to remain anonymous said that she, I'm presuming she was a she, wanted to share that many years ago I'd split up with a partner and he wrote a very passionate letter following the end of the relationship. And when I say passionate, I mean steamy, says our listener. I didn't want to destroy it, but I felt uncomfortable about it. So I stashed it between the pages of the book. No idea which book. And I'm sure you know what's coming next. I had a big clear out prior to moving and sent a load of books to the charity shop. When I realised I might have sent the letter, I went through all the books I'd kept, but no luck. Now, says our listener, whenever I'm in a charity shop looking at books, I often wonder about the person who might have read my letter and what they might have thought about my previous love life. They were probably very jealous. I mean, I'm sure they loved it. Um, on a related note, our listener says, you must watch One Day on Netflix, which is very beautiful and so much better than the film from 2011. And I hard agree. It, okay, I've seen oh, I've seen one episode. I've watched seven because I'm rationing myself. I I, I could easily binge it. How, all at how once. many are there? Fourteen. Oh, are there? 14? Oh, yeah, they've done and, they've done it all okay, the way through. And do they age them really well? So far, they're still in their twenties. Okay, so, right. um, but I've got. I mean, I've had pre heartbreak from like minute one of episode one because they're doing well, they've done such a good me. job. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> yes. Um, Carol Midgley said when she watched it I to know. review it, you know, she's going to have to watch it all again. Really? Because she said it's that good. She said yesterday she'd have given it, oh no, today I think she said, if she could, could have given it six stars, she would. She would have done, yes, yeah. I saw that. She really yeah. was completely bold. Absolutely. She's not that easily impressed. She's she? not easily impressed at all. Oof, you, no. said that, you said that very passionately. No. Um, we'll bring Caroline Quentin in in a moment, but I just, uh, yes, I mean, Netflix is a universal thing, it's a global thing. So if you get the chance to see one day, um, I, I do agree. Mm. It is, I've only, I'm, I'm going to, try and eke it out for as long as possible. Um, this is an important email and I think it will chime with, with a number of people listening. I'm in my 50s and I listened to your email from Colette 
uh, which brought to mind others who shared their challenges with loneliness and making friends in later life. Um, I, my husband and I care for our adult son who has a severe learning disability. Now, in the beginning, we did acquire something of a circle of friends from the school gates linked to our older daughter. When our son came along, they would invite us to things, but due to his needs, one of us was always on guard following him around, not able to just let the kid, kids play while the adults chatted. Gradually, we found we were invited less and less, and once our daughter left primary school, we were essentially ghosted. Our son did go to a wonderful school for children with special needs, but we struggled to make any real connections there. The way we have to live our lives to meet our son's needs, work commitments, not having family remotely nearby and the lack of support available, don't get me started on that, she says, means that we have very few friends and they live afar. It is not easy for us to just join a class. I'm so lucky to have my gorgeous husband and fortunate that we still enjoy each other's company after 30 years. But I worry about his loneliness too as I think it's even harder for chaps to make friends. I don't mean for this to be a whinge fest, but just wanted to highlight the isolation that being any sort of carer brings. Um, I'm sorry to hear about that, and I, I do thank you very much for emailing in, because that's it's a missed contribution to this conversation. And I, and I can well imagine how it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And um, those of us who you know, maybe have been in a situation where we could have reached out and didn't, well, we need to have a word with ourselves. And I hope um, that it, I know um, that will mean a lot to those people in similar situations. So thank you for that. And thank you for just reminding us of how sometimes you've got to be adaptable yeah. in your friendships and, and accept that other people have got limitations that they didn't choose. Absolutely. Um, and and just people really... of all ages and all circumstances who care for other people. Yeah. 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 Young anyway. people and older people. Um, so thank you very much for that. And if anybody's similar concerns or living through something similar, do let us know. Jane and Fee at times.radio. Can I read a little bit of fan mail to you? Mm, yeah. Just before we move on. Because I, I feel like, so. I, you know, I had the fan mail at you, the top of well, you this. You did, and I thought I was very gracious. You, very gracious. But have here, I here's been, one for you. Am I going to be put in the House of Lords? <laughs> Have they asked you to break it to me? <laughs> who would write to me if they were going to put you in the House of Lords? I don't know who that would no, be. No, okay, you're just ruining Anyway, anyway, um, this is not about the House of Lords oh. yet. I'm hoping that'll be by Thursday. So this is actually from Rabina, who um, had the Nosley Safari Park dream about you. Oh, yes, that's yep. right. <clears throat> You've been back it's in quite her erotic, dreams. wasn't it? It was erotic, yeah. yes. So dear Jane and Fee, thought I'd share my second dream about Jane. Sorry, Fee, you didn't feature. Doesn't matter, she's not here. Yeah, she's pure um, This time, we were in a car with Jane driving while I was cooking roast potatoes. Oh, lovely. The oven was conveniently located in the middle section, under the radio and just in front of the gear stick. I think you'll agree, an otherwise underutilised area of a car. It's true, I don't know why there aren't more ovens in cars. Yeah, there should be. <laughs> you did a couple of illegal left turns, sounds about right, and drove the wrong way around a roundabout, yep, but you weren't at all flustered. My main concern was my potatoes not crisping up in time for our arrival. I've no idea where we were going, but it looked a bit like the Peak District. Ooh. I think this dream was triggered by a combination of listening to your recent chat about driving in Paris while watching the Hairy Bikers new show and Amanda and Alan hamming it up in Italy. Anyway, can't wait for our next adventure in my progesterone adult brain. <laughs> All the best, Bina. P.S. Still available for our Nosley Safari Park trip whenever you're ready. Well, listen, if you're going to chuck in some roasties, <laughs> then I'll have give it due, due consideration. I'm just incredibly flattered to be involved in anybody's subconscious meanderings. I had a dream 
the other night involving Times Radio oh, yes. um, that I was sitting in for Hugo Rifkin, but the mm. studio was actually the 11th floor, not the 14th oh. floor, and I was running around trying to this. find <laughs> some headphones. And, yes. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, but, you know, I, I wish I had dreams about you and roast potatoes is what I'm saying. Try harder. I just have terror dreams about... 14th floor and 11th floor situations well I mean um, that is can I say that you're becoming you know what you're becoming I'm Anxious. pointing at you no you're becoming a broadcaster because <laughs> those are the dreams of broadcasters so basically Danny was talking in my ear and I couldn't find any yeah. microphones or headphones that worked for 20 minutes oh. and it was dead air for 20 minutes radio has well and truly wormed its way <laughs> into your head I used to just worry about missing deadlines not anymore it's everything it's your just a omnivorous media beast I was going to say tart and I just drew back. But then you did. Yeah, I just have. Uh, our big guest today uh, is the, and I really enjoyed talking to her actually, uh, Caroline Quentin. Um, she's been in so much stuff on the telly. I'll ramble through some of them. Blue Murder, uh, The Lazarus Project. We talk a bit about that. That's a very, very expensive looking sky show available now. Uh, Men Behaving Badly, of course. And she's made loads of documentaries about all sorts of stuff. Uh, but she's now written a book called Drawn to the Garden. She's also done some wonderful illustrations for it. Um, and she's taking it on tour. She's taking this kind of concept on tour with no lesser person than Maria McCurlane. Uh, so I asked her to tell me a little bit about that. I'm doing a short tour first of bookshops. So uh, hello, bookshop people. I'm yeah. coming to you alone. Because they are so they, important. Yeah, no, they really... I'm doing a lot of um, independent bookshops first over the next couple of months. And then further down the line, Maria is going to interview me. I've known her for um, 50 years, so that should be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she's a very funny woman. She's a darling. And actually, her book was good. It's I, great. Yeah, I loved her book. Her book's Bumps in the Road, Bumps actually. In the road. Yeah. Well done. For, let's promote yeah. it again. No, it's good. It's really good. No, it is yeah. very good. Well, we've mentioned that now. We yeah. can move on from That's Maria McCurley and her charms uh, but I'm glad that you're doing it with her that's brilliant so your garden now is how many acres two acres is that right well I've got a couple of acres of um, veg veg and fruit plot I mean the garden is bigger than that because I've got a big pond and things like that but the, the bit I sort of concentrate on ostensibly it started on Instagram during Covid um, and I'd come in from a day in the garden and say to my husband, oh, I've been, you know, I've been pleaching, I've been planting, I've been... and he said, I'm just not interested. Yeah, go away. Go away. Go and find someone who cares. And so I did, and I went out onto the internet, and I and I found an Instagram following who are genuinely love talking about gardening. So I found my people. Yeah. And uh, and then I was encouraged to, because I draw and paint as well, to to write the book. Really, it's sort of a gardening book, but it's sort of... Well, it's a of... bit more than that. I mean, mm. we'll get onto the rest mm. of it. But um, it's in Devon, your, your plot. Uh -huh, yeah. Um, is there something specific I should know about Devon soil or the sea air? What, what, what's I'm, significant? Well, I'm mid-Devon, so I'm not near the sea, but I'm on heavy clay. And okay. A lot of people around me are... When you see that red, uh, very iron-coloured uh, soil, it's thick and heavy. It's very nutritious. I mean, it's brilliant for growing things, but you have to add a lot of things to make it friable. So uh, all of us Devon gardeners know that we have to add manure, manure, manure. Do you? OK. Mm -hmm. Well, there's plenty of that around in Devon, presumably. It certainly is, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. and you're very honest in the book because you make clear that actually your husband does help a little bit, doesn't he, Sam? Yeah. He and hates it, but he does, he does help, yeah. yeah. And then you do have a gardener too. Well, I'm have, Anthony's not. he's always said he's not a gardener. He's a countryman. He lays hedges. He uses the tractor. He'll dig a trench. And he always said, I'm not a gardener. I don't want to be a gardener. I'm not a gardener. And he's. I hope you won't mind me saying Anthony's in his late 70s. And he's a country person. 
But he helps me do things if I'm away. Yeah. So if I need work done, he will help me. Because people will be asking, how does this star mm. of stage and screen mm. manage the garden and do mm. everything else? So mm. that the answer is countryman. Anthony. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, he gives me a day a week. I mean, the rest of the time I it either do it myself or, or it doesn't get done. And that's also true of my book. It's about uh, failure as well as success. And it's about forgiving ourselves those weeks when we don't water or you know plant on and things we, you know we're all just uh, amateurs really this is um quite significant but i think quite hopeful but also a bit sad time of the year isn't it yeah because things are sort of i mean my sole gardening anecdote is that i went to kew gardens on sunday partly in preparation <laughs> for this encounter <laughs> uh, and there were crocuses poking oh. up and some snowdrops oh. around camellias are kind of on the go aren't yeah. they um but it's still a little bit quiet. It is. I mean, I've noticed in London, actually, because, of course, the microclimate here is it is quite a lot water. Yeah. yeah. And loads of daffodils, loads of crocai, crocuses, mm. uh, everywhere. And in Devon, we're still, we're just seeing the tail end of our snowdrops. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, but it, for me, it's a joyful time, but I'm still a little bit desperate for the dawn chorus, mm. for April to come and for the blossom. Yeah. Yeah, blossom is definitely weirdly out in some parts. So I live in West London. There are yeah. some trees that have got blossom, but then you go down another street, there's none, none at all. It's those that Very have got odd. the heating on and those that haven't probably. It must be that, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also have a pond in your garden, don't yeah. you? And I think mm-hmm. that's because ponds deliver. But what, what does a pond give you? It, well, I mean, any body of water in a garden will bring everything with it i mean you put water in and it brings uh, wildlife so uh even a small body of water will bring toads and newts and frogs it'll bring the birds it'll bring insects hovering above which will feed the birds um slow worms things like that also you know hedgehogs all those kind of things come into the garden because of water so if you have i mean even honestly people just um, on, on my account just say Put a put a bowl of water in, and suddenly I've got wildlife in the garden. So wow. if you can put anything in your garden, an old bucket, dustbin, dig something in. I mean, I'm lucky. I've got a large, a large um, sort of yeah. I suppose it's a pond. Well, you swim in it, don't you? Yeah. So I suppose yeah. it's a bigger than a pond. I don't know. It's almost a lake, but not quite a lake. Not quite. It feels a bit no, grand. Yeah, it does. It does. It's a big pond, and I do swim in it. Yeah. Okay. You also yeah. claim. To occasionally garden with no clothes on. No, I do. Do you? I absolutely okay. do, yeah. I mean, I live in the country. Why listen. do you do that, Caroline? Well, because if you get up in the morning and it's warm, it doesn't happen very often, obviously, But um, and and you put your penny on and, and then no one's going to see you, mm. it's just so lovely to get the air on your body. I, I, I love it and I, and I don't... Because I'm not surrounded by people. I mean, I'm not suggesting people in terraced houses, you know, stop. Well, I actually well, no, do. Do start taking illegal? your clothes off. I don't. I think probably not. Well, I think the penny might offer a degree of protection. Yeah, I, not, I, not I, I least for the neighbours. No, but, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, gar- a sort of gardening apron's a good thing, particularly if you're pruning, obviously. Yeah, indeed. Um, now, your, your book starts with reference to your mum. Mm. Now, I didn't know this, and she was somebody who did have, you know, struggles with her mental health mm. over the years mm. and she she was uh, taken to psychiatric hospitals from time to time a lot yeah quite a lot actually i mean i think nowadays we call it bipolar yeah. when i was a child growing up it was um it was called manic depression which just alludes to the two extremes of 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 the um the experience for people with it and um and yeah my mum was it's been a lot of time in in big the big psychiatric hospital uh, not that far from where i grew up and uh 
had um, ECT, electric shock treatment, um, and was on a lot of those um, those drugs for her lithium and, and those kind of drugs for her health, her mental health. Um, and, and so, yes, I mean, I grew up very much in that environment with someone who was very ill, I mean, really yeah. very ill. And um, I think, I, I mean, I don't know, I, I think... When, when you're little, you don't know anything else. You, no, just, no. you only know what you know. And my mum was, you know, absent quite a lot. And, and my father was absent quite a lot because he was um, uh, flying aeroplanes. He was uh, British Air, well, BUA as it was in those days. So, uh, my, uh, so it was a big part of my childhood was um, being uh, alone quite a lot, actually. And, and I think that's formed... Uh, who I am in lots of ways, but but I think it's also made that link for me with nature. I think I felt, I very early on understood that there was um, a, a peace there, peace and comfort and continuity, mm. actually. Uh, it was very important for me. And uh, you say in the book that you would visit your mum and that there would be a, a big garden because yeah. those... I, I Very early on in my journalism career, I... Oh, that's very rather grand. Well, it's not as grand as your pond. Um, I, I went to visit one of those huge psychiatric hospitals just before it closed. It yeah. was on the cusp of the Care in the Community initiative. Yeah. And I imagine the place I visited was rather like the, the institution yeah. that your mum spent yeah. time in. Yeah. Because it was enormous. Huge. I mean, huge. They were villages. They yes. were actually villages. Yeah. And I, you know, subsequently have looked into uh, the hospital where my mum was mm. and it was an entire village it had its own laundry its own theatre its own ballroom it had um, occupational therapy it had huge dining rooms it had it employed thousands of people I mean these were huge you know and I mean I, I'm not an authority about mental health but there was I think there's something to be said for um people being looked after in a safe space. I mean, I, you know, there were locked wards, of course there were, and people who were, you know, I, my mum on occasion was was um, sectioned under the Mental Health Act and things. And uh, But there was something to be said for that because, you know, the grounds were extraordinary. I mean, so beautiful. Uh, huge swathes of kind of daisies and trees. Had its own graveyard, had a beautiful church. I don't know, there's a kind of... I think they are a loss to us. I don't know, I'm, I'm sure people will shoot yeah. me down in flames but well, there's something to be said i think maybe i think the conversation might, around them might just be changing right for precisely the reasons that you've right. outlined it'd be very interesting to see what happens and i'm not an authority on this either no. i need to say but yeah there'll be people listening who do know more so please yeah. do email jane and fee at times.radio if mm. you do and i think it's also worth saying because it's, it's in the book that your mom did make progress my mother um lived well beyond her quite extreme mental ill health and had a very fulfilled joyful wonderful life beyond it mm -hmm. um which is you know i mean more than can be said for a lot of people and 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 you know i, I i'm so grateful for that and i and i know she was too a massively positive funny clever bright woman sort of had that time to be that woman yeah know. did did she live long enough to see your showbiz career yes oh she, brilliant she okay. absolutely yeah. did yeah, yeah she's not she only died 10 15 years 15 years ago or something but so yeah no she she yeah she she saw the, the me working hard to have the career have the career and you know and and everything that's come after Afterwards. you know a bit like you you've still career, got a career career being a brand well, the so grandest word, just, isn't it? If we were men, we probably wouldn't... I don't we know, wouldn't just, bat an eyelid, probably, would we? No, we're just, just saying a bit yeah. pompous about talking yes. about 
but anyway, our work. Oh, yes, our but, work. But hashtag not all men. She said very, very quickly. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm talking to Caroline Quentin, and uh, I have taken particular note of a recipe involving courgettes in her book, and she told me a bit more about it. Well, I get, I get a glass of courgette, so I'm, yeah. I'm queen of courgette. What is it about the courgette? Because, <laughs> I mean, they grow... Well, abundance doesn't do it justice, does it's it? Other, really? Well, except some years. When, you know, when I say, oh, I, 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 my, I've got ter- terrible courgettes, and people go, yeah, me too. So I don't know. It's all mm. it's in the lap of the gods, all of it. But, um, yeah, I've got lots of recipes for courgettes. We have to have gardeners. Yeah. They don't actually taste of anything, Caroline. That's the problem. Controversial, well, but I've just logged it in. Well, I know they're not—they're not, not flavourful, is what I'd say. <laughs> no, you, you do have to add something to yeah. a courgette to make yeah, it worthwhile. It's true. Um, so there, obviously, there seems to be quite a contrast between the Caroline at home, mm. pottering sometimes naked, sometimes not in <laughs> yeah. her garden, yeah. and then the person who—I mean—you lap lap up all sorts of the Lazarus project, for example. Yeah. Is I tried to understand what it was about <laughs> this morning, and I, I did get a bit. I mean, it's very just set the scene. What is it? It's the Lazarus Project. It's a very is, expensive show. It's a it's a massive um, Sky series, and it's about a character, uh, Papa Siedu plays a a character who um, inadvertently falls into um, uh, working with an organisation who can um, alter time. And on the first of July every year, they can make a choice about whether or not to turn the clock back, and they can stop world events. And Joe Barton, who wrote our series, did predict. I, absolutely predicted covid the ukrainian war wow. that you know i mean uh, it, it 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 covers all of that and we were shooting it long before any of that happened so it's about making choices about whether or not what is the moral dilemma when is it a good time to turn back time i suppose that's yeah. what it's about um and uh and and joe barton explores that thoroughly and humorously and you know and it's quite it's a sexy funny science fiction thing and you play a, a, an authority figure don't you I know. Um, who gets to be I'm very jealous of this because I've always wanted to be called mom yeah. and you're called mom and it's it? so weird I just funny enough I just ran in minutes ago I ran to Anjali who Mahindra who who um 
plays Archie in the show, and yeah. um, and I loved it. I love you know they're all these gorgeous young actors. They're really marvelous, funny, clever, erudite people, and I'm a bumbling gardening Don't idiot. Say and it. But it's true, and they're all calling me yes, mom, no, mom. It was great. It was a great thing to walk in. You know, I've had I've had a couple of years of people really showing me the respect I don't deserve. <laughs> That's exactly what yeah. I want. Yeah, bring it on. Yeah, um, and obviously, you know, men behaving badly is where a lot of people um, yeah. will remember you with with huge fondness. And and the classic question about that show now is, yeah. could you make it now? <laughs> uh, and I guess you couldn't, but you shouldn't because it was of its time. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, it was, it, it was getting pretty past its sort of sell-by date by the last series, really. So we'd be what, pushing what our luck 20, what was 20 30 years about later. the last series? I don't know. I just think, you know, you, you plough that, that um, furrow and there comes a point where you just go, hmm, I think we've done this now. And, and the world moved on mercifully. And um, I say that, actually. I've got two young people. I don't know if the world has moved on enough. Probably, you know, I think... I don't know. We didn't have social media in no. those days and, and I, I'm not sure... I, I, there are lots of reasons why we couldn't make it now, but, I, I, you know, I, yeah. So some mm. of the, the the stuff that felt faintly charming mm. and true to life mm. back then yeah. would be a bit tawdry I now. I think it would stick in one's craw, actually. I really do. And I think, I mean, I mean, listen, it's, it's still funny. I'm not, I'm not taking that away from it. People mm. still come up to me, young people still come up to me in the street and say they find it funny. Old people come up to me in the street and say they find it funny and they know. So, listen, it's, yeah. it's fine. But I just, it was so much of its era. Right. Um, and were you, at any time when you were doing it, uncomfortable with it? I mean, you hinted that perhaps towards the end you definitely were. No, I think I was always, I mean, I was fighty. I was fighty in the rehearsal room. I always, I remember saying in the, when we did the, you know, the first, what do you call it, pilot, saying very loudly, I am not here to serve up feed lines to men. To men I'm yeah. just not here to do that. I, and, I, you know, which was pretty bold, given that I hadn't, no one knew who I was or, or cared. And, and But I felt very strongly then, actually, there was an opportunity in that scenario to give the women a voice. I mean, it was never going to be as loud a voice, but at least it could be as funny. And, and actually, what's really interesting in, in comedies, I think, is if, 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 if you're funny, you, you can say almost anything. But if you're just someone feeding lines to yeah. somebody else, you, you don't exist. And that is still true today, I think. Is there enough comedy on television and elsewhere driven mm. by women and the female experience, do you uh, think? No, no. I mean, I think, you know, we can look to Sharon Horgan and say thank you, Sharon, yeah. for, for, for doing, you know, 50% of the work. But there's other, there are other, you know, great shows out there, you know. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yeah, and, you know, and... and um, uh, Alma's Not Normal, those kind of shows are extraordinarily good. I saw a great play last night. Have you seen Till the Stars Come Down? I haven't. What's it about? It's about it's about uh, three sisters, and it is written by Beth Steele. It's so I cannot recommend it highly enough. The writing is sparkling, and it's about women's experience written by a woman in a way that I haven't seen in years on stage. It's so good. just a brief outline of the plot. Uh, it's set on the day of a wedding of one of the sisters. I the like mother it has died. It's so funny and good. It's really, I really recommend it. Okay, and that's it, way off course. I shouldn't be talking no, about that's that. Fine. Is it short? Yeah, it's two. It's two and a half hours with a twenty. It's half an hour interval mm. and two hours. It's short. It feels short. It feels short. Okay, that's yeah, fine. It's right. really it's blissful entertainment. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, no, we'll take it. And the name of the play again? 
uh, The Stars Come Down, I think it okay. is called, yeah. Well, National Theatre. People it, yeah. are loving your interview and they are, I'm sure they'll take a recommendation from you, so don't worry about that. Good. Um, also, it's stuff in the book as well, not just about gardening, but about wildlife. And I, I feel... I'm so out of my depth here, but I mean, I cannot tell if I'm honest. A blue tit from a sparrow, mm. from a blackbird. No. I might be able to spot a blackbird. In yeah, fairness, I think you. But would. but you you really do. You can tell the difference, and yeah. you take huge comfort from their presence, don't you? Yeah, I started birding very early on. Actually, I was um, partly due to my mum's ill health. I think I got. I was. Sort of, I say sent to boarding school, uh, just uh, moments after my tenth birthday, and I met someone. Um, called Sarah Dear Jones, who was a really lovely woman, child at the time. But um, she uh, was a birder and she was a member of the RSPB. Can I just say, you must have been outliers at your boarding school, you and your friend Sarah, we birding. Were. Yeah. We, we really yeah. were. And okay. in fact, we were mostly illegal because we were out of bounds apart from being outliers. <laughs> we used to sneak off together and go, it was gorgeous there watching. We had blue, we watched blue, we watched everything. We watched all the, all the birds. It was great. That's yeah. actually really lovely. And you don't... I, I, it sounds to me like you're speaking up in support of boarding school, or at least in your case. Would that, would that be fair? Yes, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't... I, I was very, very lonely, and I I was quite sad and quite scared a lot of the time. But I had... I had Again, I had nature to go to. I, I turned to nature, and it was, very, it was set. The school was set in very beautiful grounds again. So, you know, once again, you know, a bit of greenery can... Even, if, even when you're 10 and really homesick and lonely and quite scared of lots of stuff, if you're watching a family of blue tits feeding on, on you know, worms as their mum and dad bring them in, you, you know, it's like everything's OK, even if it's just for that half an hour or whatever... It, there is so much solace, and I know this from people talking to me, there is so much solace from nature, whether it be birds or water or planting things, trees, you know, I I think we we need it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think we really do. And if people want to follow you on Instagram, I should say we've had an email, email from Cher, who's one of our regular listeners over in the States, and she says, I follow Caroline on Insta. It is so th soothing, and she really enjoys it. Thank you very much. But she does live in a land where Donald Trump could be the head of state in a year I or so. I have a lot time. of people in America I bet you follow do. me, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how, yeah. where do they find you on Instagram? It, um, it's called CQ Gardens. I know you were at Q Gardens recently, but it's yeah. C with a Q I it was as very a clever, Q. That. Yeah, CQ yeah. Gardens. CQ Gardens. Yeah. That was Caroline Quentin and her book Drawn to the Garden is out this week. And just thinking about what she said about her mum and her mum stays in one of those absolutely huge psychiatric hospitals. I think Caroline felt that the hospital had actually been very much the right place for her mum. And actually, Jane, a safe place for her mum and a place that really helped her. Um, there'll be plenty of people listening right now who've got rather different memories of, of those institutions which was kind of why they were all closed down and we started this idea of care in the community in the 1990s i'm talking about britain here obviously um so i really would welcome anybody else's memories of, of those sorts of institutions um jane and fee at times.radio um caroline is lovely uh, i kind of expected her to be and she turned out to be so that's very nice i'd quite like to go on tour with her and maria i think that would be an awful lot of fun. I don't. I think mean, you might end up in jail, in a foreign jail after yeah, at all. But I but I think it'd would. be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think there would be some laughs. Yeah. You're quite right. And actually, I just wanted to say at the, at the end, with we, while we were doing this podcast, we got the news that Steve Wright has died. And um, Steve Wright, the Radio Two uh, presenter, and actually, he was only 69. And I met him a couple of times. And can I just say, I'm just really sorry. Yeah. And I know Fee would also be really sorry because we we loved. We were. Very occasionally on his program, and it was 
a big, big thrill if you're an absolute anorak like me. He was a true genius of radio. Absolute titan of radio. Yeah, he, he really was. And he just made so many people's days. You know, he was on in the afternoon on Radio 1 and Radio 2. Um, certainly his style was completely unique to Britain when he first started. And I just think he, he will have touched the lives of loads of people. So um, rest in peace, Steve. I'm really sorry to hear about that. Absolutely. Uh, Jane, thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow. We're bringing the shutters down on another episode of the internationally acclaimed podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. But don't forget that you can get another two hours of us every Monday to Thursday afternoon here on Times Radio. We start at 3pm and you can listen for free on your smart speaker. Just shout Play Times Radio at it. Uh, you can also get us on DAB Radio in the car or on the Times Radio app whilst you're out and about being extremely busy. And you can follow all our tosh behind the mic and elsewhere on our Instagram account. Just go onto Insta and search for Jane and Fee and give us a follow. So in other words, we're everywhere, aren't we, Jane? Pretty much. Everywhere. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.